August 23rd, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 28. Now let me, Paul, remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and still do now, for your faith is built on this wonderful message. And it is this good news that saves you if you firmly believe it, unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important, and what had also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. He was buried, and He was raised from the dead on the third day, as the Scriptures said. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve apostles. After that, He was seen by more than five hundred of His followers, at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died by now. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, I saw him too, long after the others, as though I had been born at the wrong time. For I am the least of all the apostles, and I am not worthy to be called an apostle, after the way I persecuted the church of God. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out His special favor on me, and not without results." For I have worked harder than all the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by His grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach. The important thing is that you believed what we preached to you. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ was not raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your trust in God is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised then your faith is useless, and you are still under condemnation for your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ have perished. And if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we are the most miserable people in the world. But the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. He has become the first of a great harvest of those who will be raised to life again. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, Christ. Everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man. But all who are related to Christ, the other man, will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised first. That when Christ comes back, all His people will be raised. After that the end will come, when He will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having put down all enemies of every kind. For Christ must reign until He humbles all His enemies beneath His feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the Scriptures say, God has given Him authority over all things. Of course, when it says authority over all things, it does not include God Himself, who gave Christ His authority. Then when He has conquered all things, 
the Son will present himself to God, so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Don't take the presence of the storm to indicate the absence of God. Sometimes when you enter into a storm, and there are all kinds of storms, health storms, physical storms, financial storms, emotional storms, there are all kinds of storms. I'm not talking about the storms that rain down water and the lightning and the thunder and all of that. The, I'm talking about storms that other people can't see. Undetectable storms. Storms that make people think you haven't been through anything. Because you get up out of the bed every morning and you, you, you put your hair up and put your makeup on and, and they don't know you put your smile on just like you did your makeup and, and walked in smiling because you were going through a secret storm. See, see, when you're going through a visible storm, somebody will hand you an umbrella or a raft or, or, or some help or some assistance because they are aware of your suffering. But when you're going through a secret storm, there is no comfort there because nobody knows that you're dealing with a secret storm. They're, they're jealous of the car you're driving, not knowing that it's two payments behind. They're envious of the position that you were promoted to, not knowing that now that you're promoted into that position, you can't even rest at night. You can't even sleep at night. You've got so much pressure and so much responsibility on you, and all of a sudden you're in a storm and nobody even knows it. And when we get in a storm, we have a tendency to wonder, where is God? Job said, I look for him. He was there a minute ago, but now I can't find him. I, I looked on the right side and I couldn't find him. I looked on the left side and I perceived him not. Where is God in the storm? Because we buy into this notion that if God was with us, we would have no storm. That if God were really with us, we would be happy. That if God were really with us, everything would go smoothly. That if God were really on our side, we would have no family problems. If God were really with us, our bills would be paid. How could God be with us and us be in foreclosure? Job said, I can't figure it out. How could my kid die and God be with me? How could my house be on fire and God be with me? I looked for him. I looked for him. I didn't see him. I looked on the right, I didn't see him. I looked behind me, I didn't, you said you had my back. I didn't see him, I looked in front of me. I thought he'd lead the way, I didn't see him. But you cannot see in a storm. That's why he told you to walk by faith and not by sight. You cannot see in a storm. Don't look for God to be sensual in your storm. He will not appeal to your senses. 
your senses add to your comfort. God will not make you comfortable in your storm. But just because you are in the presence of a storm, the storm does not negate the presence of God. Nor does it indicate the absence of God. The Bible said he is a very, very present help in the time of trouble. If you're looking for God, he's in the storm. He may not be saying anything, Peter. You may find him asleep on the boat in the bottom of the ship, but don't think that he jumped off the boat because you were in a storm. He is with you in the storm. He promised. Whenever God promises you something, he says, you may not have it in your sensual realm right now, but I promise you. He said, he promised me, when you pass through the water, I'll be with you. He wouldn't have said that if his presence was apparent because you never promised the obvious. He said, but when you pass through the water, you got my word on it. I am in there with you. You may not see me. You may not feel me. You may not sense me. But I tell you what, all the while you're stroking in the water, understand you are not stroking by yourself. Don't be so aware of the storm that you lose awareness of the God in the storm. Psalm 38, verses 1 through 22, a Psalm of David, to bring us to the Lord's remembrance. O Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger. Don't discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep, and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. My days are filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me, and my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. You know what I long for, Lord. You hear my every sigh. My heart beats wildly. My strength fails, and I am going blind. My loved ones and friends stay away, fearing my disease. Even my own family stands at a distance. Meanwhile, my enemies lay traps for me. They make plans to ruin me. They think up treacherous deeds all day long. But I am deaf to all their threats. I am silent before them as one who cannot speak. I choose to hear nothing, and I make no reply. For I am waiting for you, O Lord. You must answer for me, O Lord my God. I prayed. Don't let my enemies gloat over me or rejoice at my downfall. I am on the verge of collapse, facing constant pain. But I confess my sins. I am deeply sorry for what I have done. My enemies are many. They hate me, though I have done nothing against them. They repay me evil for good and oppose me because I stand for the right. Do not abandon me, Lord. 
Do not stand at a distance, my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. Proverbs 21, verses 28 and 29. A false witness will be cut off, but an attentive witness will be allowed to speak. The wicked put up a bold front, but the upright proceed with care.